our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning. I'm Catherine Zox. I am your social worker with a microphone on on Voice America, voiceamerica.com, and Voice America Women. Welcome to the show. Joining me this morning is my co-host, Lauren Beller, president of Big Fish Nation, a 12-month entrepreneurial program which you can take in the comfort of your own home or office. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I am excellent. How well, are you? I am fine, and I hope you have a lot of questions for this guest because we've got a great guest. She's ready to go, and her Dr. Adrian Ahern. She's a performance psychologist, right up our alley, because we're uh, <laughs> we are one of the we are the women who want to perform, do our best, peak performance, all of those kinds of things. She's an author, speaker, obviously, but she's written a new book called Snap Out of It Now. And Dr. Ahern works with top athletes, CEOs, and others who seek excellence uh, to get the hard wiring of their brains to work for them, not against them. So we want to know how she does it with all of these top athletes, CEOs, but also for just the rest of us. How can we get our brains working for us and not against us? So welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Doctor. And we here we <laughs> do we have our doctor on the show? I beg your pardon? I didn't hear you. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Can we both hear you? Lauren, do you hear the doctor? I can hear her, yes. Terrific. Okay, so new book, Snap Out of It Now. Yes, Snap Out of It Now. How do we... All right, well, first of all, what does Snap Out of It Now mean in terms of how we perform? Okay, great. um, You mentioned hardwiring of our brains working for us, not against us. Snap Out of It Now is about snapping out and releasing those negative patterns that aren't working for us. You know, and most of us aren't aware that they're there or not aware, not, they've become accustomed to them. Okay, so with the stuff that's not working for us now, you're saying it, Doctor, it's, it could be unconscious, we have no idea, we have to bring it to the conscious so we know what's not working? Exactly, because, you know, a lot of us know what's working, it's pretty obvious, but there's a lot of things that have happened since our childhood that have been conditioned or programmed into our our brains, created new neural pathways, and because they were repeated over and over, um, they become patterns that we may or may not be aware of. Let me give you an example. Um, okay, I have one. I have a golfing client, a really talented golfer, who was clear on his story. He knew what was blocking him. He comes in and tells me, "I don't have enough killer instinct to play competitive golf." Well, you know, he knew that this was a story told to him by his parents, his coaches, and everyone he knew. He lived the story. So, what um, it was easy to identify it for Ken, the golfer. But what we worked on is unplugging that story from his physiology. Now, let me tell you, the opposite end, I had a very... I thought you were going to say that was Tiger Woods. <laughs> well, no, Tiger Woods, you know what? Let me tell you this, Catherine. Tiger Woods is a perfect example of someone that was conditioned by his parents with love, respect, and structure, what every kid needs. I mean, I've read many of Earl Woods' books, and I'm telling you, that's a... It's a model of parenthood when you yeah. read. So his parents did it the right way. They hardwired his brain, as you say, developed those patterns when he was, I guess, a baby. He was yeah. playing golf. So okay, that's the. Best. Well, he also had a really great brain to work with. You know, a lot of um, our athletes. One of the things I find with the top athletes and CEOs is they 
really are extremely bright people. You know, they, they, they're not working with um, faulty hardwiring, except sometimes we have patterns that get in our way. And that's why I was going to tell you about my very successful businesswoman who came to me because she had a, yearned to write a certain book for years, but she couldn't bring herself to write it. Well, so this woman, um, she really didn't know what was blocking her. So we worked, and some, you know, a lot of journaling exercises we use, similar to the ones I use in Snap Out of It Now, but it turns out through these very simple um, exercises and talking, we discovered that her story was that her mind kept telling her, you're not as smart as they think you are. Something that she avoided, denied, because she was very bright, she was capable and competent, but she really was not aware that her mind was giving her these negative messages that kept blocking her from being able to move forward and really um, create the book that she wanted to write. Well, right, she, so you helped her uncover what was getting in her way, this story. That, right. That, does this story come from your parents or, you know, as a child, or well, you know, where yeah. do these stories come from? They do come from our childhood. Very often our parents, our siblings, um, because they, they, many of these stories that are unconscious come from our very, very early years, and they don't come necessarily from our parents telling us, you're not as smart as everybody else. Sometimes that might be true, but often it's tr- it, the, the truth is that the child's mind interprets what the parents say in such a way that create these messages. And unfortunately, the brain has five times more negative emotions than, they, than it does positive. So it's really biased towards negativity. Now, I, because I'm not someone that um, spends a lot of time in negativity, but what I like to do is I wor- like to work with people who have an ability and they're stuck. They don't know why they're not able to make or, or move forward on, in their life the way they've envisioned themselves moving forward. They don't know what's stopping them. And what I say is very often it's a negative story, belief, thought, that is that they are that they have uh, their false truths as I say that have the, the person in their grip and they can't move beyond that until they first of all identify it, acknowledge it, and then unplug it from your physiology. And what I mean by that is that when you you have to unplug the belief from your body and your brain because the belief lives in your body, and you can't just plop a new story on top of the old one and pretend the old one's not there. You have to really identify it and cleanse that story and then be- begin to rewire with new, um, more positive neural pathways. Dr. Aharon, what about men and women? What, uh, you know, this is a show for women, so I'm oh, interested. Yeah. Are there gender differences? I mean, I, I know that oftentimes uh, I've heard, you know, women are hardwired for low self-esteem right. in our culture. Maybe not so much now, and it is changing, but it's still there, and that's why it they can't get ahead in work, and they can't, you know, they have difficulty with relationships, all of those kinds of things. And our, so I've asked you three different questions, <laughs> but well, that's okay. You know, because you're right. Number one, I, I'll say right up, right up start that I'm not, um, I'm not a gender specialist. I'm not a psych. I haven't studied the genders, and yet I am a woman, and I've lived through, and I've worked with therapy in therapy many years, and I in Obviously, and I've read some books, but that's not my specialty. Yet, we are different. We are conditioned differently. The women, um, I mean, there's many things. I I even wrote a paper on the fact that our culture is responsible for um, telling, you know, women feeling inferior because they're often told 
um, you can't do that. Or, you know, it's certainly that there's still the gender bias with regard to um, pay. Um, and, and there's another thing. You know, I do a lot of work with people, helping people realize that multitasking is not really the most efficient way to go about things because everybody's talking about being a great multitasker. Um, the one thing that I talk about is that our brain can't really do more than one thing at a time. They, and what you're actually doing when you're multitasking is you're diminishing your ability to attend to any one thing at a time. So this whole thing, uh, this multitasking is interesting because yeah. women have been sort of given this rap. Hey, you're terrific. You can multitask. You can handle the family, the home, all exactly. of those kinds. Not good for you. You need to focus. So what about, so what you're saying is like these CEOs that you work with uh-huh. or these really top athletes, they focus. They're not multitasking well, in order to achieve what they need to do. Right. They're shifting their attention very, very quickly, uh, fully to one task and then to the next task. And let me say something, because the reason why I brought up the multitasking is that's another difference between men and women. Women are conditioned to be multitaskers because, just as you said, they have to make the dinner, watch the kids, make sure the husband's fine, and take care of any phone calls that come up. You know, typically that's the historical conditioning of children, or of women, even as children. But, so I think that, um, we, we may call ourselves a good multitasker, but those that are truly efficient, like the CEOs and like the really attentive mothers, and um, what CEOs, of course, can be men and women, are they're able and they've learned and they've conditioned their brain to be able to shift very quickly from fully attending to the email, then closing that down and fully attending to the conversation on the phone that, that um, arises. You know, and in psychology, there was, uh, I remember a term, uh, compartmentalizing. Is it similar to that? Is it compartmentalizing, being able to, as you say, shift from one thing to the next but give it your full attention? You're not yeah. thinking, is, is, that, is that what you mean? Yeah, that, that, that can be a way to um, describe that. Also, yeah, it's putting things in its little place and then moving to the next place. Right, so that, the next question is, what do you do in terms of physical? Because I know in the book you talk about there are certain, like, physiological things that we can do to help us to improve our peak performance. You bet. Because most everything, what I believe, and I think that the research is showing that more and more these days, is that it's all about the emotional reaction. Um, what we think, you know, I just wrote a paper yesterday that was interesting because I'm doing, giving a talk. Um, Perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, and they were. And it was about um, the idea that, um, let me get my ideas here quickly. Yeah. Um, that, um, let me see. I'm, I'm, I've got my head all over the place. All right, place so you've got a compartment. Here we go. Yeah. This is a perfect <laughs> yeah, example. Right. I'm multitasking so cool. here. I've lost what, my attention. That's right. I, we've got you. Got a peak performance. Concentrate. Focus. Okay, the paper. There you you go. Went, yeah. Okay. So here, it, here it is. Is that um, when we re- relax? I mean, there's a, what I teach people really is that in order to make better decisions, in order to be uh, get into that peak performance zone, you know, I, I teach people and help people get into the uh, reach peak performance in specific moments. And that can be my ski racer who's wanting to get right into the zone right before she races downhill, or my CEO that's walking into a board meeting and needs to really present himself well. So what we need to do is our power is in our bodies where our emotions are. See, that when we can control our emotions, or and, I, and I'm not crazy about the word control, but when we can manage our emotions and, and take ourselves from a place of frustration, um, anxiety, nervousness, and bring ourselves back to a place of, first, a place of calmness and neutral, and then moving ourselves into a more positive 
um, a, a feeling of, say, caring or appreciation or excitement, we do a marvelous thing for our body and our mind. Number one, we are opening up the pathways from, you know, from our heart, so to speak, to our brain and clearing our mind, and we are connecting with our body and releasing any tensions and anxieties that we may hold. We're present in that moment. And there's been a lot of wonderful research showing this, this powerful impact of the ability to shift from negative emotion to a positive emotion. So you can do, if you learn this, let's say we, we, we um, learn how to do this, the process, and you're doing something that you're really anxious about, like you say, going into a board meeting, uh, any kind of performance really, right, or you're preparing right. to take a test or the SATs or whatever exactly. it is, you can go, there's an immediacy about it. You then, can just change your whole body and mindset. How long does it take? Five it takes, minutes? No, you know what? Let me do it. Let's do it right now if you want, Catherine. Can we Let wait me, and do it after the break? Oh, you bet. You bet. <laughs> it's immediate, though. I can give you something right to do right now. Okay. Go ahead. We got... Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, oh, we'll do it after the break, I okay. think, because we only have one minute. So, okay. yeah, I'd like to... Will you do the exercise with me, and we can do it with Lauren. Give, give us two kind of scenarios Wonderful. that, we, yeah. Yeah, that we could work with. That would be yeah, great. But, uh, since we do have a few minutes, it is an exercise that you could do right now, wherever you are. You don't have to close your eyes. You can just... And we'll do it after the break, of course, but it's something that you can take with you everywhere you go. Terrific. And I'll give we all you that. what my skier does. Great. Dr. Adrian A. Hearn, performance psychologist, author, speaker... And author of Snap Out of It Now with Lauren Beller and Catherine Sox on VoiceAmerica.com. Voice America Women. We'll be back in a minute. Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. I have three children, and I've been raising my 16-year-old sister. Mary Gallagher and her family shared a two-bedroom apartment with eight people. Now Habitat for Humanity is helping her build a simple, decent, affordable home of her own. When we first found out that we were getting a Habitat home, it was like a dream. I kept saying, don't anybody wake me up. Not only is Mary helping build her own home, she'll buy it with a no-profit, zero-interest mortgage to keep it affordable. Habitat came out and built my home, and when Mary started building her house, I wanted to come out and give a hand. We're not just building Mary's house, we're building a neighborhood. There's several more to be built this year, and I look forward to working on each of their houses and seeing the joy of their face when they open the door to their brighter future. Habitat for Humanity. Building homes, changing lives. Support the work in your community. Visit Habitat.org. I feel very blessed. God has answered all of my prayers. We are home. Are you willing to be taught and invest a few minutes each week to learn principles that will ensure your success and fulfillment? Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to It's Easier Done Than Said on the Voice America Women's Channel. Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. 
morning. I'm Catherine Fox. Welcome back. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com and VoiceAmerica.com Women. Joining me this morning, if you are just joining us, is Dr. Adrian A. Hearn, author of Snap Out of It Now. She's a performance psychologist. And in this last part of the show, the doctor is going to, I guess, give Lauren and me uh, exercises to show us how we can uh, achieve our peak performance, I guess. Is, yes. Is that- Okay. Actually, uh, Catherine, I'm going to give you an exercise where you can snap out of negativity and into positivity in order to reach peak performance right. in the moment. In the moment. Okay, right. we're ready. To, are you ready, Lauren? I'm ready. Okay, great. I like these kinds of exercises. I do, too. I need <laughs> them. Okay, well, let me tell you, when, just imagine whenever you're walking in, or just right now, we're on the radio, heck. I was well, just going to say, you know, this is very now. anxiety-provoking. Yeah, right, for me, right. I don't know about for you gals, but for me it is. Yeah, well, for me it is, too. You got what I was doing during the break. Yeah. I was doing this exercise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the first thing we want to do, it's very simple. It's like a three-step exercise. first thing you want to do is focus on the area around your heart, you know, the center of your body, the area around your heart, the heart center. And then the second step is breathing. Imagine as you breathe in and out that you're actually breathing in and out from this heart center. Okay. We can't if we do deep breathing. You're going to hear it over the radio <laughs> and around you know, the world. We'll, we'll do this very quickly. Honestly, once you do this, it only takes a, uh, less than a minute. So you're focusing on your heart. You're breathing, imagining it going through up and down through your heart. The, se- the third step is activating a positive feeling. I call it. We call it my work. Uh, people that I work with, heart feeling. Heart feelings. Okay. Yeah. Now, is this what would you call an affirmation or positive thinking? No, is that the know, same thing? Good, Catherine, that's a great question because it's really not about thinking. It's about experiencing, re-experiencing something good that happened. Like say something good happened this morning or, or, or yesterday. You recall it and you experience the feeling of it. That's what's so key because what you're doing is you're not in your head thinking. That's the method of this, the first two steps get you out of your head and into your body where you're experiencing and that's one of my major problems. I'm glad we. This is this is real important because you the cognitive stuff always gets in my way and doesn't allow me to get into that feeling, which, which is what you're talking exactly, about. Exactly, okay. Catherine. And you're not alone. That's the big. That's one of the biggest problems I have with all my elite athletes and top CEOs is they have to. Most of them have found a way to get out, or they're finding a way to get out of their head and into their experience so that they can perform beautifully. Because that's the thinking kills performance. So. You can focus on your heart, breathe with your heart, and activate a feeling of caring or appreciation. Anything that's positive that you can recall from something that you've had and, and feel that. And as you feel that experience, you shift from any uh, frustration or nervousness that you may have been experiencing, and you shift the body into these, this beautiful experience of positive feelings, which I'll tell you now has an amazing effect. It, um, it actually changes the experience within the body to um, release that beautiful, wonderful hormone, DHEA, which is called the vitality hormone. Now, it slows down the aging process. It helps people that are wanting to lose weight actually lose weight. It help, I mean, it, this, this um, hormone is amazing and has um, wonderful benefits. It helps with obesity, diabetes. So just by doing what you've just done for five minutes, Three times a day, we can start to nurture and recondition our body to experience the goodness from our hormones. Dr. Ahern, though, how does that affect 
let's say a situation, well, let's say you're a, a swimmer and you have, you know, you're swimming in a relay and you have, you, you, you do this, you calm yourself down, you think of the, 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 you feel the good stuff, but then do you, how do you get the adrenaline going to get yourself pumped? Is it counterproductive so that you can no. win the race? No, the thing is the adrenaline, that's good. God, you've got great questions, Catherine. The adrenaline has nothing to do with it. Whether we're relaxed or high in adrenaline, really, um, when you're just about to take a race, believe me, they've got the adrenaline flowing through their body. What they need to do, and I'll tell you my skier, who right before she gets on um, races down the mountain, she gets right before the starting gate, she clicks her pole three times, she takes three deep breaths, activates a positive feeling by saying a special word. For her, it's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> now, that not only slows down her breathing, and so she finds her breathing rhythm, then she activates this warm feeling because that's something her mom taught her when she was three just starting racing. So it's so important to activate the positive feeling. That shifts the hormonal system, and, and, makes, and, and it's longer-lasting. Now, you can be, your heart could be beating um, 80, minute, 80 beats per minute or 60 bit, beats per minute, it doesn't matter. As long as the positive feeling is there, you're in that zone. You're, you're ready for that race. Now, okay, we've been talking about going into the boardroom, winning races, peak performance. Let's shift it a little because okay. you do talk about it, this in the book, too. How, what about sex? How can that help us? I mean, you get, I'm sure you get a lot of clients. Uh, you bet. <laughs> Everybody likes to know about that. You know, <laughs> peak performance. How do you achieve peak performance in bed? Can you by doing this kind of an exercise? You bet. You know, the best thing you can do for yourself in, in, um, to create fireworks in the bedroom is to get into your deep breathing. And now, now, that does a few things. Number one, it relaxes the body, and yet that's where you have to be in order to experience um, great sex. Now, you also have to be out of your head. So this exercise right there, you're, you're, get, you're clearing your mind, connecting with your body, releasing the tension and anxiety, and what better place to start from at that point? At that point. Yeah, so you're yeah. not thinking about the list of things you have to do when it's over. You bet. You're not thinking what you have to do tomorrow or the baby's going to wake up or the kids are going to come home or whatever it is. You get rid of that stuff. You get rid of that stuff. And you don't think about how you feel, how, how you look. I mean, because that's another thing I deal with a lot of women and men. They're, you know, they're concerned about their self-image. So when you start to shift into your heart center and breathe, you clear that and you're right there in the present moment um, with your partner. I mean, and there's some there's wonderful um, relaxation and power in that that you're really able to connect. You're connecting with yourself first. That's the key, and then you're able to fully connect with your partner. Okay. So now let's talk about what other areas that we. I mean, obviously, I think this just applies to most of the areas of our life. We can well, do. You know, it does because it's really about being being present. And, and I, you know, I'm a peak performance psychologist, but I often define peak performance as finding what you really, really want to do in life, your path, so to speak, and finding yourself coming to congruence with what you want to do and then learning how to excel at that. So um, my mom wanted to be a mother, and so she, you know, she was a mother of five, and that, that was her path. And she had no people, choice. <laughs> well, you know, a mother of five. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of mothers out there these these days who are claiming themselves and being proud of choosing to be a mom, and others that are choosing to be a mom and a professional. And like me, I've, I've chose to be a professional. I didn't have children, so I think that there, there are more choices out there, and it's about being 
present enough with yourself to be able to make those choices. Well, can, uh, what, does this fit into being a mom and also working both, combining work and home? Right. Or? Yes, I have a client here in, um, in San Diego that I see. She came to me because she was reentering the workforce, and she's 43, and she has three children under six, and she really wanted to make um, a good effort at returning to work, but she also wanted to be able to be present for her kids when she came home and when they came home from daycare. So um, we worked on just actually we worked on multitasking to make her in, so that she would stop um, would be able to shift from letting go of work and then being fully present with her children when that she picked them up from daycare uh, to me I think that would be one of the, the major issues I don't know Lauren in your experience and the people that you work with I, I think that's a, especially for women today that's yeah. being able to be in the moment as you say doctor and be present and be able to, to do both to be right. able even if you're working part-time, you know, or you have even one child, but it's really difficult to do because there are so many things pulling at you. So I mean, this, these kinds of exercises that you're talking about are really crucial. And, and you talk about four steps, right? Have we yeah. kind of done the four steps? Well, you know, we did without talking about them, really. And the first step to snap, I mean, I have a couple of um, processes. The first, snapping out of it now is really about rewiring your brain. And the first step, really, is about acknowledging your conditioning getting real with your preconceived notions. The second step is really identifying and in, um, inventorying your, as I say, core conditioned identifications. In other words, um, getting real with what your specific story of your life that's ruling your life that may be underlying and maybe not has not yet come up to your awareness. Um, the, four, the third step is deconditioning your reactions. Now, or... Uh, unplugging, I mentioned this before, unplugging your physiology from that story to cleanse that story from your body because that those three steps are absolutely essential. I think mostly uh, that in many processes those are not, maybe the acknowledgement is there, but the identification and cleansing may not be there because the third, fourth step is what we all can relate to. That's rewiring the brain. We are inserting a whole new experience of ourselves, the one that is in tune and in congruent with how we want to live our life. I think that's important, Doctor, because I, most of us, lay people anyway, maybe not scientists, don't realize that you can rewire the brain. You can actually change those neurons to, to respond and do different things. You, you can. can do it if you practice. Exactly. I have a colleague I just spent some time with in San Diego from Australia. He's a brain scientist, and he has something he calls the Gordon 1,000 times rule. And I use this a lot because in order to create something, change something in your life, you know, we've all talked about it takes 21 days to make a habit, but this is the reality. It takes 1,000 times of thinking something and doing something in order to create a change because that's, it, it, it emphasizes the need for re- repetition. Because when you think right, about so if you do it 1,000 times, we've got two minutes left, yeah. and you, you can actually change your response. In other words, you'll have a different, kind of like a spontaneous, a positive spontaneous response as opposed to a negative one that you had before if exactly. you do it 1,000 times. But, but I say you have to cleanse the negative pattern 1,000 times and then right immediately after reinsert a new, more positive, congruent pattern. You know what? Snapoutofanow.com is where people could go to, and they can contact me if they have any questions. I love taking questions from people on email or phone, 
or um, and I also have workshops and seminars that I do all over the country. So if they can sign up for my newsletter if they want, and I can let them know when I'm going to be in their area. Terrific. When are you going to be uh, on the East Coast? Where East Coast? I'm going to be on the East Coast in November, December. I'm going to be at the Massachusetts Conference for Women. Terrific. And is that in the That's in Boston, in and Boston? it's on the 12th of December. Fantastic. You may see me there because oh. I'm very close to there. This is okay. fascinating stuff. I love it. And the website is snapoutofitnow.com. Go to the website and then yeah. you can contact uh, Dr. Ahern, Dr. Adrian Ahern, performance psychologist, author of this book. Great talking to you this morning. Well, thank I, you, Catherine. I very much enjoyed it myself. After my show, I'm going to be practicing. Uh, <laughs> great, great. I don't know about Lauren, but I definitely will be. But anyway, thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Thank you so much, Catherine. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 You're listening to The Catherine Fox Show on VoiceAmerica.com, VoiceAmerica.com. Women will be back in a minute. Radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Inner Health through Homeopathy, hosted by Melissa Birch, CCH, with Dr. Tim Stryker. This show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy, a holistic approach to health care which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance. Homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment. The healing process involves physical, mental, and emotional changes which come from a wellness within. Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for inner health through homeopathy. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Winning with Wellness, where beauty meets health, with Dr. Badushi Babber, is a place where women can share their health and beauty tips and learn that wellness means having a positive self-image. Tune in every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Finally, radio that has real depth. Voice America Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. 
Socks. Welcome back. You are listening to Voice America, voiceamerica.com and voiceamerica.com women. I'm your social worker with a microphone. And joining me is my co-host, Lauren Beller, president of Big Fish Nation. So what do you think, Lauren? Very interesting program that she has. And I, I she, boy, she hit on all my issues or some of them. <laughs> I love the simplicity of this task. In other words, it just simplifies how to turn around big issues, you know? Yeah, what would you do? Like, what is the most difficult issue for you? Where do you get the most anxious? <laughs> Such a good question. Yeah. It, it I depends mean, on the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's sometimes, you know, trying to do it all. You know, there's like, there's no way to do it all. Um, or, you all know, right, you're a mom, you're working, you've got the baby, you've got, you, you give lectures, you're, you know, a, you're a coach, you're a life coach, you're a business coach. So, You've got to do all of these things, and, and you get up and you feel like, how am I going to do it? There's just not enough time. Exactly. Yeah, that's the. It's not enough time, not enough energy, not enough money, not enough. You know, choose choose one. <laughs> all, yeah, one or all of them. Yeah, oh, and it, yeah. In different days, it's different things. So, how know? would you use her thing? Okay, because you'd wake up in the morning, you've got this whole list of things. Uh, but the bottom thing for me is, I realized that listening to her is, it's about not enough. Like that's the issue is not enough. When really in reality, it, there's always enough, you know. But I get stuck in the perspective of not enough, whatever enough is. Not enough time, not enough money, not enough sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, I keep that trying to not usually. <laughs> well, that's another issue. I mean, when you've got to, you talk about multitasking and women. Oh and no, they, my husband's really good at ensuring that that's pretty consistent. <laughs> Men are good at that. They're very good at they that. They are really, they don't have a problem with that. Not at all. There's, like, there's never an issue about that. They're very good at it. Yeah, but that's the difference between testosterone and the estrogen, I, don't it, you think? Absolutely, 100%. Because the guy can be head of a company. He can live with, you know, the best golf or whatever, you know, the the football player, but he's never tired. They, they or, fit that you know, in. They fit that in. Yeah, that's that's def, that's a hormonal difference, I think, and I think it goes through one's whole life, but that's that's maybe another show. Well, it's we, a great yeah, show. It great, is. A great topic. We probably would actually have, you know, lots of people calling in about that. Yeah, definitely. Well, your, see, your thing, Lauren, is different than mine. I'm in a different state. What's yours? What's well, yours? I, I don't ha- I have... I'm, you're so connected to a lot of, or maybe, you know, you've got children, husband, work, uh, pleasure, all those kinds of things. But the stage I'm at, I'm not responsible for my children now. So they're, you know, not that I don't give them advice, or but they're not in the house. Uh, mine is more probably when I have to do a specific task that is new to me or I'm trying to push myself to the next level, whether it's with work or uh, those kinds of things, or even sports or something, that I will get anxious. You know, it's more of that the individual could, not that I don't have enough time to do it, but when I am confronted with the with the task, getting anxious about it. And like she said, because I say, well, you think about other, I do the cognitive stuff. I don't relax and, and sort of experience the feeling, the good feeling, and bring that into the picture. So uh, that's something that I have to practice. Is that clear? Yeah, it is, and it's interesting because I always think that is something many more men do than women. Oh, that's interesting. What about, you mean even women athletes as opposed to men athletes? Yeah, I just think that, well, maybe I should say high achievers. I think high achievers tend to often be in their heads versus their emotions. So that's interesting. But I would agree with that about you. Yeah, no, you're talking about high achievers. Well, one thing she said, which I thought was another point that she made that was interesting, she's talking that the really high achievers are very bright. 
very. And I yeah. think the more the more intelligent and their intellect is working more than their emotions. And I think that that's really common. So, so what, what would so, you? Go yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn. I was going to say that her exercise, the four-step exercise, is really about re-putting your energy into the emotional piece versus the intellectual piece. So her exercise just constantly brings you back. And I think if you did it a thousand times, it would you're, you'd be more balanced out, not you, we, you know. And you couldn't help but be more balanced exactly. out. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And you can change those neurons. You really will change it. That's that's true. And that's, I just, you know, I read her book and actually a couple other books that said that, that, you know, if you really do practice it, it really changes everything. But how would that change it for you, Lauren? Like you have a daughter and, you know, you have this, Tabula rasa, as they call it, you know, this blank page. You've got it it's all there for you, your influence and teaching good patterns and stuff. You know, how would you, like, do that with, you know, just putting it, I call it operationalizing the terms. What would you do for Sierra? How would you teach her this, or would you? Or so that I do, You know, it's really interesting. We have this, she's 19 months old, and we have this conversation. I did have this conversation with some family members while I was visiting, you know, a, a couple weeks ago. And, um, very, very interesting. When she falls, a lot of people, a lot of parents would say, oh, you're not hurt. And I said to everybody that said that to her, please don't say that to her. Ask her if she's hurt so that she can tell you what her feeling is. You know, it's like it was a basic little thing, but I think I think it's about acknowledging their feelings that they matter. In other words, she can tell us, no, I'm not hurt at all. I'm fine. Great, let's go, you know. Um that's such a good example because I think that happens all the time. I mean, I, I do remember that. I, I think people even do it to us as adults. They do do it to us. Oh, you're fine. You're and fine. I, dismissing your feelings. Exactly. I don't, you know, I don't feel well. Oh, but you'll be fine tomorrow. Well, maybe I will be, but you need to validate my. I don't feel well now. Right. We don't have to dwell on it, but at least you need to validate my feelings and don't tell me that I'm not. You know, it, that I am feeling well. I think well. it's never okay to tell someone that it's. It never, it's, okay. it's never okay not to validate someone in the moment. And you just said it really critically. It's not about dwelling on it, it's, but it's about validating it. it momentarily, just momentarily changes everything. Yeah. And the other thing is you really can't attend to someone's feelings or help them if, you don't, if you're not dealing with the correct feeling. Like Sierra, if she hurts herself and she says, I feel bad, you know, it hurts, I hurt myself, well, then we can do something about it. Exactly. And so there are a lot of choices. There are a lot of things to do. It doesn't necessarily have – it's not necessarily negative, but we can do something about it. Yeah, but if exactly. But if you tell her that, you know, oh, you'll be fine and kiss the boo-boo and there's and nothing – you know, yeah, then, then you're, And you're not validating it. We walk away and that, and that feeling gets diminished or doesn't get validated or um, heard. You know, this morning we, bunk, we bonked elbow to knee. My elbow hit her knee, and she is a sign language baby, so she told me that it hurt, and I, she didn't cry. I said, oh, I'm sorry. It hurt my elbow, too, and I just apologized, and she didn't cry, and we talked about it for literally 12 seconds <laughs> and walked away. You know, we because just, you only had 12 seconds to talk about it. <laughs> okay, we're on to next. Validated your feelings, and... Uh... Yeah, well, she wasn't upset, but she wanted to let me know that it hurt. You know, oh, that hurt. She said, ouch, and she she, you know, made the sign that said hurt, and I thought, well, at least she's validated, I'm, and I apologized, so I said, I'm sorry, because I was the one that bonked her, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I have to ask you, that you're the one to ask, too, because it, it's, it's been a while since my kids were, like, 18 months, two years old, but did you see in the news yesterday, there was a, a two-year-old who called 911, no, I didn't see that. Actually got on the phone. 
this was on a on you know the, on she was in the house with her mother, and her mother had this violent headache, and she passed out. So the two-year-old who had been taught by her mother like two or three months before, if to pick up the phone and dial nine one one. If what she described, well, the two-year-old, it was called an owie. You know, if an owie, a bad thing happens, an ouchie, whatever it is, pick up the phone and call 911. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what happened was she called up, and you actually heard what went on between the dispatcher and this two-year-old. She picks up the phone, and she goes, Mommy owie, Mama owie, Mama owie. And the dispatcher is saying, Mommy, Howie, Mama Howie, and she goes, no, she continues, she just sticks with, you know, Mama Owie, and then he, he said, is your Mama there? And she goes, Mama Owie, they just have to keep her on the phone, I think, exactly. for a certain period of time, and then they can trace the call, which they did, went to the house and took care of the mother. Amazing. I, I guess a goosebump story, you know. But can you teach a two-year-old that? It seems to me that goes against all of the developmental psychology, all the stuff that I've learned, that they're not capable of making that connection from something that happened, you know, three months ago, especially if your mother has passed out because that's traumatic. Even adults can't do it very well, let alone a two-year-old. Well, you know what? I think a, a baby could actually do it better if they know the, the routine because there's no, there's no emotion wrapped up in it. Just mommy owie, that's the deal, you know. It's not like she doesn't panic. Uh, you know, anybody over five would panic. That's a, that's true. You're right. So, in other words, it kind of fits in with this doc, with Dr. Ahern's uh, um, kind of you know her idea of setting up patterns for yourself. It's true. That's a good point. Yeah, it's, it, it's and learned patterns. Again, uh, the thousand. I love the thousand. I never heard that before. The thousand times. Like, how many times do we think about it negatively? Probably a thousand times, whatever it is. Yeah, and well, then that patterns in. Exactly. So, would you? I mean, you could teach. You could teach. You could teach Sierra, your daughter, how, how to do that. I mean, that's a good thing to learn, isn't it? I mean, if you can teach a two-year-old to do that, you can teach them anything. I still believe. I remember, there was one I also saw. It was like a, do- a dog did it. It was taught. It was a craziness. <laughs> Well, I guess if a dog can do it, we should be able to do it, right? It's true. Except with dogs, it's the thing that you're talking about. When you have animals, the other stuff doesn't get in the way. The cognitive stuff doesn't get in the way, which it does with humans. Right. You know, I mean, other things you start thinking, you know. But um, anyway, I'm surprised you didn't see that. I haven't stopped talking about it. It just kind of blew me away. This is a two-year-old doing this, calling up and, and, and getting 911. I don't know how I missed it, but it wasn't a big news day. I went all day yesterday. I had dinner plans, in and out, you know, boom, boom, one, off to the next. Yeah, so you were multitasking. I was. You were. <laughs> I don't know if it was multitasking, but we went from task to task to task. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, in the, uh, actually this half hour, and it's up on the website too, on voiceamerica.com women, we were going to have uh, Dr. David Herzog, who is a Harvard Medical School physician, to talk about uh, unlocking the mysteries of eating disorders, and this also starts, can start with young, not probably not babies, but with young children. But he is right now seeing a patient, so that takes priority over uh, talking about his new book. I don't know if he's going to be on the show later or not. We only have a few more minutes, but uh, this also was another interesting book. It's a, a life-saving guide to your child's treatment and recovery with uh, eating disorders. And, Lauren, I don't know about in your age group, but I know a lot of, of, of women or families who have children, particularly girls, with eating disorders that it is, um, you know, I don't think it's, 
I wouldn't describe it as an ac- an epidemic, but it's a real issue, a real problem. Definitely. I agree with that. I, and I don't know of many, many, but I know enough to know that there's a, definitely an issue out there. Yeah, and that's something else. You know, we're going to use you as the guinea pig. Hey, you've got the, <laughs> you're the perfect person to be on the show. You have the young daughter. Uh, you know, all these habits and patterns that one develops around eating and stuff. I mean, there's some really kind of bad stuff that's happening, especially with girls. There's a big gender difference. Anyway, we're going to take a short break right now. I'm Catherine Sox with Lauren Deller, and you are listening to The Catherine Sox Show. I'm your social worker with a microphone, and uh, you're listening to Voice America, voiceamerica.com, voiceamerica.com women, and also Voice America Health and Wellness. We're also on, uh, we have a program on that show, too. We'll be back in a minute. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Are you willing to be taught and invest a few minutes each week to learn principles that will ensure your success and fulfillment? Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to It's Easier Done Than Said on the Voice America Women's Channel. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Did you know your child's asthma attacks can be triggered by things like shower curtains, a blanket, even a teddy bear? I feel like I'm choking. And there are many other things in your home and your child's classroom you may not know about. For the latest information, call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. Sometimes my parents have to take me to the hospital. Help prevent your child's asthma attacks and avoid the emergency room. Call toll-free 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. That's 1-866-662-8822. Or visit www.noattacks.org. I don't want to feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Winning with Wellness, where beauty meets health, with Dr. Vidushi Babber, is a place where women can share their health and beauty tips and learn that wellness means having a positive self-image. Tune in every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network. The new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Welcome back to VoiceAmerica.com. Women, health and wellness and just... VoiceAmerica.com with Lauren Beller. And, uh, yes, call us if you have questions, you want to talk to us. We're here. We're available. The guest, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5787. So, uh, you know, I was thinking about during the break, Lauren, and, you know, the guest probably won't be here because he is with his patient, but uh, 
this whole issue of eating disorders in women is a, and, and young girls is a huge issue. And uh, we're talking about the things you can do as a parent, especially, I guess, as a mother with your kids when they're younger. I mean, what you do really counts, and I think those first five years are so important. And somehow people – I think that mothers, fathers – couples don't realize how important it is, you know, when they send their kids off to daycare or they've got a nanny or all, you know, it's real, it's like critical because you are hardwiring your brain for those patterns of behavior at that age from one to five. It is so true. It's, and I think that we tend to, I was at a dinner last night and I was watching this woman um, feed her two-year-old really healthy, but she was eating terribly. And I thought, well, that will probably work for a couple years, but after a while, it's not about what they tell the child to do or put in front of the child. It's what they're doing, you know. Yeah, and also it's uh, and I uh, here's a great example. I mean, I in terms of not just what your child eats, but how they eat. Now, I had I had uh, a, a cousin of mine, and we spent a lot of time together. And I used to watch her feed her kids, and she would put the ba- the babies in the high chair, and the food was oh, was good, was healthy, was good stuff. But the way she did it pick up the food, shove it in their mouth, they had to eat it or not, and then take it out, and they had like five minutes to eat, and that was it. Oh it made my. me so. It made me anxious watching her feed her babies because wow. there was so much, to me, so much anxiety attached to it. Well, this is, you know, how many years later, 20, 25 years later, and one of her children has an eating disorder. Really? And I wow. am not surprised. I, at the time, I remember thinking, this child is going to have a problem with, with, with eating, it's it's going to be associated with kind of like uh, forced feeding. That's what it came to mind. Now, my kids, on the other hand, want to hear the rest of the story? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were, uh, you know, I had the food. It was always good food because, you know, my ex-husband, one thing, he was a great cook. So it was always wonderful meals, and we had really good food. Every, every dinner, at least, was, you know... Um, well prepared, and the kids would take the food and they would be mushing it all over and playing with it. And if they didn't like it, half of it ended up on the floor. If they liked it, they ate it. But you know, very creative, I thought. So, you know, fast forward. One is an actor. One is a filmmaker. <laughs> and they all eat well. And one is a musician, and they all eat well. So I'm thinking, you know, there it is. Uh, it, I mean, that. I mean, that's only two families, but. Um, it's you know the way the process the way in which you eat really did have an effect on the way they saw the world the way they experienced the world and I think what they became I think it's really important it and is so, really important yeah. I also think that it's not just about physically how people are eating but emotionally what a parent and and figures that are have significance in a young person's life has to do and I have a, know a family that. Um, the father told the young girl, young and very young, that she was fat. And, you know, to this day as an adult, she is has major eating issues. And that wasn't about the food. You know what I mean? It was all about her body and her need to want to please him or look the way that he thought she should look or whatever it was. Well, it's about the story. It's about the story that Dr. Exactly. Ahern was in. This is the if you She came into your, to a, your office or mine you would want to uncover that story because here's a girl who's not fat, doesn't really physically have a problem with weight, but the story is, which that she was told is, that you're overweight, that you exactly. have a problem. Yeah. And she bought the story hook, line, and sinker. It's interesting because, you know, some people would buy it and some people wouldn't, so that's always an interesting thing is why does somebody choose to buy the story and in other places they don't? 
Yeah, well, I think that has to do with, and we're not sure. I mean, exactly, you know, 50% of it is is how we're raised environmental, and the other 50% is genetic. You're somehow vulnerable to that, and you really don't know what makes you vulnerable to those, say, a negative story. You might have two sisters who don't have the problem. Exactly. You know, one has the problem, the other one doesn't. Right, right, right. So However, so interesting. Yeah, and but from a social work perspective, because I am the social worker with a microphone, uh, one you can say the same thing to both children and you know one may be a little let's even brighter or not or they may have the same intelligence even but they themselves even at a young age have different experiences their experiences are still not the same even if you think they are yeah yeah in other words you can put two people in the exact same situation and they both grow up thinking a totally different story about the same situation Exactly. I mean, you might have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, but or or even a set of twins. Exactly. But they've had different experiences with their playmates, which gives them a whole other set of imprints on their brain. So it, it's yeah. So it's very interesting. But I think as a parent, you do have to be, especially in those first five years, be very careful about what you do. Which do you remember? A few weeks ago, actually, I think it was a couple months ago, Lauren, I had the uh, authors of the Nanny Diaries oh, on yeah, the show. Absolutely. Well, did you see the movie? I have not seen the movie. You should see the movie. It was very well done. And I went uh, by myself, naturally, because uh, <laughs> my boyfriend didn't want to see The Nanny Diaries, but that's okay. I don't need to drag him to see it. Uh, I enjoy going to the movies by myself anyway. So I went and saw it, and it was, it was Scarlett Johansson and Laura Linney uh-huh who did a fabulous job and it was all it was kind of it, it sort of pertains to the, what we're talking about you know some of the upper east side ladies who are have you know spend very little time with their children and who really could many of them don't even work but they have nannies really spending 24/7 with their children and the influence that the nannies have on them um and it was done it was humorous it was very very it was funny, it was, but it had a message. Nice. Yeah, it was very good. It was excellent. didn't expect it to be, because you know how books are good, but then usually when the, the movie's not necessarily as good. But I would recommend seeing it by yourself. Yeah, I actually enjoy it. I have not been to the movies by myself in a long time, as you can imagine, with a 19-month-old. But I look forward to doing more of that as she gets a little older and her father's around a little more. He just informed me yesterday he'll be gone for the next three weeks. That's so. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's three weeks. Oh, my. And he'll be home on weekends, but lots of travel. Yeah. So I won't be getting, you know what, I have to add it to my Netflix list, and that's the way I have to do it these days. Yeah, you can do it that way. Exactly. I, yeah. You know, I find, Lauren, that a lot of women will do, uh, independent women who do all kinds of things, won't go to the movies by themselves. No, I like going to the movies by myself. I do, too. And you yeah. don't have, yeah, you don't have to think about anybody else. You're not, you know, aware. You don't have to, just, you don't have to put pot, um, butter on your popcorn if you don't want to. I don't even buy it. I, I love I love movie popcorn. <laughs> Not good for you. Talk, you're talking about what you talking about that woman at the dinner party who was, who was eating <laughs> bad stuff, and her daughter was going to copy her. Well, that butter stuff. I just no, no. Out. I never put butter on it. I want popcorn with no butter. Have you ever brought your own popcorn into the movie theater? No, have you? Yes, and they they don't now with you know the security stuff. There, you're not allowed to bring a big brown bag in unless <laughs> I no brown bag lunches for you in the no, movie theater but I used to do that because I would, then I was assured that it was good popcorn you know Orville Redenbacher yeah and or t- Paul Newman uh-huh. and uh, bring these big bags of brown popcorn in well I mean because popcorn is very expensive and sometimes it's not even that good but I tried that actually last year and they, they wouldn't let me do it 
Because <laughs> do I look like somebody who's going to do something bad? No, but no, so, yeah. But I used to do that all the time. That's a funny story. Yeah. And popcorn's good for you. Anyway, I don't have fiber. I guess it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I go to the movies by myself quite often and don't wait around for somebody. You know, I've had girlfriends say to me, you know, well, he won't go with me or nobody so will go what? with me. Hey, can't you go by yourself? I mean, you read a book by yourself. Why can't you go to the movies by yourself? It's true. I think if we're, there's something that we're allowing someone else, if someone else is, we're letting someone else allow us not to do it, it it's our own fault. Yeah. And, yeah. and I I mean, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure why we do that, though, but I, I it's, uh, it's definitely an issue. I don't People know. have a lot of issues with going places by themselves. It's very interesting, but we, it's, there's no reason to. I think that could be a good topic, too. I just thought about that. Yes, we have to get someone on the show for, well, we have people booked for next week, but, uh, yeah, who to talk about that. Where does that come from? It's, it goes back to the doctor today of, you know, that fear of walking in a room by yourself or, you know, the, what do people think of me, you know? What do I look like? Yeah. What does my hair look like? What is that? Yeah. Everybody's I, it, looking at me because I'm all by myself. You know, it's all made up stories. Yeah. Or even sitting. I have a difficulty, but I do it anyway. I go to a restaurant by myself, and a good one, too. That's I another, do the same thing. Yeah. I actually, and now, the, now, you know, with child care, I try to make it a point to go out to lunch by myself on a regular basis. Yeah, I do that, too. And I think it's important. Get out there. Do it. Even if you do feel uncomfortable. No one's looking at you. Don't worry about they it. They never are. It's just this narcissistic feeling. Anyway, we have to say goodbye. Uh, Lauren Beller and Catherine Zox on VoiceAmerica.com. I'm your social worker with a microphone, and Lauren's my business coach. She can be your business coach, too. You can go to her website, LaurenBeller.com. You're listening to Voice America, Voice America Women. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. Bye, Lauren. Bye.